Thank you, Maria. That was Maria's first time doing announcements. Pretty good, right? Awesome. So, as I said before, my name is Wilson, and I help with the young adults here. Uh, for the past few weeks, my dad has been talking about Jonathan. He's a, he's a character from the Old Testament who's the son of King Saul. And today I'm going to be talking about Jonathan as well as another one of his friends, a really like, heroic and kind of famous Old Testament character. But first, just to start with Jonathan and this really, my dad's been talking about this awesome, insane act of bravery and courage that he did that helped Israel overcome their enemies. So Israel is up against their number one enemy, the Philistines. They're kind of in a gridlock state where really Israel is just totally scared. Half of their army is deserted. The other half's hiding in caves. They're ill-equipped, don't have the right weapons. And the Philistines are just coming and you know, they're, all, they're all struck with fear. They have no idea what to do. So Jonathan takes this really courageous act where he and just his armor bearer go and face off with about 20 Philistines. They just, they just go for it. And this one little step strikes this one victory they win where they kill 20 Philistines, just two guys, stirs fear into all the Philistines' heart and they flee and Israel wins like an awesome victory. Just one little step they took towards God and trusting him and just knowing that he can do abundantly more than what they could ever do. But if they just agree with him, he's going to do a lot. So I've kind of been reflecting on this, this like a spirit of abundance that um, Jonathan stepped into. And I've been thinking about why, you know, why did he do that? How is he able to do that? And something I really feel had a big part to do with it, something I kind of feel like the Lord revealed to me was Jonathan knew his identity. He was a son of the king. Jonathan was the heir apparent to the throne of Israel. He lived with the reality. I am a prince of the most powerful person in this nation. So I can do things like, you know, I have courage. My identity dictates what I'm willing to do and what I'm able to believe is possible. And that's true about us. If we just think our identity is just Wilson or just whoever, then we're not going to really be able to do a whole lot like with our, our human means. But when we take hold and realize that we are sons and daughters of Father God, that totally changes, that totally changes the equation. So Jonathan is responding out of this identity. I'm going to read you guys a scripture from Galatians that I think really um, kind of drives this point home. Galatians 4, 6 and 7 says, Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. Now this might kind of sound like positive thinking or just a good idea, but it's not. This is a reality. This is our identity. This is at the core, more defining than anything else about us, is that we're a son or a daughter of God. And we have unlimited resources when we just take little steps towards him. So the other, the other guy I wanted to tell you guys a story about, it's a really famous story. I'm sure lots of you have heard it. It's about David and Goliath. David was a really good friend of Jonathan. And this is kind of before him and Jonathan were close. David's still a young guy. He's about 16. And he's the youngest in the family. I'm the youngest in my family. I have two older brothers, one older sister. And they're like a lot older than me. And something I've learned being the youngest 
is that I get stuck with the jobs that nobody else wants to do. So when I was little, I was the one taking out of the garbage and I was stuck doing the dishes a lot. I was doing things nobody else wanted to do because they bullied me. But um, no. So David kind of is in the same position. He is stuck. He's the shepherd of the family. He's watching over the flocks and the sheep. And so this isn't super glamorous, you know. He's out in the field day after day, tending to the sheep, making sure they're okay. He's probably not getting to shower a lot, not getting to eat the best meals. So it doesn't seem like it's um, super exciting. But really, in reality, there was a lot of excitement that went on. David was protecting the flocks. He was protecting them from ferocious animals. So I want to read you guys another scripture from 1 Samuel, just revealing kind of how courageous David actually was. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and 35, it says, But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. There's something really important I want to note about what David's saying here. He says, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. So his number one priority is to get the lamb back, not to kill the animal. He's not focused on what's causing the problem. He's focusing on what he knows is his. So when we focus on what we know is ours, that's when we're really going to step into courageousness. And when a problem comes, just so if the animal turns on him, he's going to take care of it then. But he wasn't thinking about, oh no, what if the animal turns on me? If, I bet that if he thought about what will the animal do to me, who knows how courageous or brave he would have been. He was focused on what was his and going after it. And that's what, that's what our mentality can be as sons and daughters of God. We can have the same spirit of David that says we can always do more and nothing can stand in my way. Nothing is too big for us. So Israel is in a really tough spot. This is a little, little while after Jonathan you know, does this great kind of deliverance for Israel. Once again, the Philistines are coming to face off with them. And this time, the Philistines are taking a little different approach, a little different tactic. They're sending out their number one warrior, Goliath, who is about in between like eight and 10 feet tall. We can't exactly know how tall he was, but it says he was huge. He was trained from a young age to be a fighter. And he's just like a killing machine. Imagine like the biggest linebacker on the Bengals other than adding three feet to him and a hundred pounds of muscle. So this guy is just like ferocious. And he's coming out and he's challenging the whole Israelite army. And he's saying, send out your best warrior and I'll fight him. If he wins, we'll become your servants. We'll just lay down our arms and we'll say we lose and we'll become your servants. But if I win, then you guys will become the Philistine servants. So they're really scared. Like none of the Israelite soldiers are willing to go out and do anything about it. It even says that for 40 days, this was happening. And the reason they weren't able to do this because they had already, they were fearful. Yeah, they had bought into fear. Even though Saul offers this huge reward. Let's look at the reward that King Saul offers to whoever, to whoever will go out and fight Goliath. Saul sa- it says, the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter's hand in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. So what's that sound like? A fortune, a spouse, the king's, you're, you're, you're into the king's family now and your family is tax-free forever. What's that sound like? Total security, nothing to worry about. 
if you have those things, I mean, you're pretty much set when it comes to finances, property. You're, yeah, you have nothing to worry about. Now, did that inspire anybody to go out? No. They had already bought into this spirit of, the spirit of fear, the spirit of scarcity. We can't do enough. They were scared. They couldn't do anything. They had seen the problem before they had seen the incentive or the provision. And the problem was too big. They saw Goliath and that was it. So how I want to kind of relate this to the Freedom Project is the reason we're giving outwardly is because we're aligning ourselves with not our needs, but who God is. We're not focusing on what we need as a church. We're focusing on God's bigger picture in the world. And, you know, a spirit of scarcity says, watch out. Oh, no, you better save. You don't have enough. You got to keep hoarding. You'll never have enough. Don't, you'll never have enough. Keep saving. Maybe someday you can help other people. The thing is, when you believe that, you're probably never going to help other people because it's just a cycle. It just gets, you just get stuck in that. A spirit of abundance says, help others and trust that God will look after you. It says, help others and God will look after you. As a son and a daughter, God will look after you. Now, I'm not like advocating anything foolish. I think there's definitely wisdom in how, how we um, give and stuff like that. I'm not saying go sell everything you have just to pay like some bill for tomorrow. But it's taking an extra step and being willing, like, okay, God, I'm gonna give more than I'm comfortable with because I know that you can provide for me. I know that you can make up the difference. When we respond to our needs, we're gonna fail just like the Israelites were failing. They've been there for 40 days, this huge reward in sight, but they still couldn't do it because they'd already bought into, into fear. But we're gonna find out later that David, how he responded, victory came. And we respond, like I'm going to tell you David did, we have a spirit of abundance and yeah, we can, we can do more than we could ever imagine. So back, back to the story, David is out in the sheep tending the flocks and his dad sends for him and says, hey, I want you to go to the battle lines and take some food to your older brothers. I want you to like kind of see how everything is going. So David gets out there and Goliath comes out and taunts them and says, come and fight me and no one will do it. And David asks everybody, hey, what's the deal here? What's going to be done for whoever will go and fight him? And they tell him the reward, a fortune, his, the king's daughter's hand in marriage, and tax-free. So David has a chance right now. Is he going to respond to this fear that everyone else has already bought into? Or is he going to respond to, his, to abundance and knowing that his one little step God can do so much with? So far, so far, 2014 has been a pretty good year for me. I've been enjoying it. And uh, two, two really key things happened at the beginning of the year for me. I went to these two conferences. And they were both um, just really encouraging. I sensed God's presence like heavily at both. They really encouraged me. It's like they built me up, trained me, taught me. And I can just really, I've been able to see a difference in my life since I went to them and just what I learned at them. But still, life kind of hits you and during early on in the semester in January, I was having a bad stretch of a couple of weeks where I was just really feeling nervous. And um, well, a, a thing I really enjoy doing on campus is praying for people. Anytime I see somebody with crutches or that just, I feel like God highlights to me, I want to go pray for them. And these two weeks, I was just feeling like scared to do that. Like anytime that there was an opportunity, I turned and went in the opposite direction. I was not about it. I was 
really just buying into this spirit of fear like, oh, I don't have enough to give. I can't do anything. You know, it was all about me. I'm, I'm not able to do it. I wasn't thinking about, you know, how much more abundance there is when God, like, jumps in the picture. So one morning, I had met with my academic mentor. And this is a guy that helps me kind of do a little bit of career planning early on, resume building. And he's kind of like a connection and a guy that is guiding me, helping me figure out what the next steps are going to be. And he's really encouraging and really awesome. But this particular day, he was really stressing to me like salaries and, th- and figuring out how all that works and talking about like what to shoot for. And it was honestly just draining me. It wasn't, it wasn't making me excited. It was really taking the life out of me. I was focusing on like money and um, yeah, it was just, it was pulling me down. Not there's a good, there is a good time to think about that, but this just was not the time for me. So I was walking, I finished me with him and I was walking across the lawn to another hall on campus, another building. And just, yeah, just feeling bad. Like, man, I already know this is going to be a bad day. I like had that thought. I was, I was just digging myself further. And then I just felt this kind of little voice inside of me. It was the Holy Spirit. He just said, are you going to keep buying into this spirit of fear or are you going to buy into a spirit of abundance? Because I have given you a spirit of abundance. And right now the enemy is trying to take away from that. So this little like fire rose up in me. And I was kind of like a tiny bit angry that I was listening to that. And for the past couple of weeks, I've been buying into that. And so as soon as I stepped in the door, the first person I saw just sitting in a corner on his laptop, I went up and approached him, just made a conversation with him, started talking to him and asking him how he was doing. And he just told me how he's really nervous for a test coming up and some different kind of anxiety. And so I said, well, could I just pray for you? Could I just pray for God's peace to come and uh, fill you right now and just to re- relax you from that situation? And he said, yeah, of course. So I prayed for him and you could just tell like, it looked like a weight was lifted off his shoulders. He was just like relaxed. He smiled and said, okay, cool. Thank you so much. Um, I take a couple steps and I see another person and I start to talk to them and pray for them. And before I know it, people are like approaching me because they see me pray for somebody else and they're coming up to me saying, hey, can you pray for me? Like you just prayed for that person. Later on in the day, I was talking to a guy and a woman who I had prayed for on another side of the building was like another side of the whole, whole building was walking by us. And she stopped me, interrupted me talking to this guy and said, Hey, you need to let him pray for you right now. Like you need what he's going to give you. Jesus is going to bless you and da, 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 da. And just like interrupted him and basically did an advertisement for me to pray for him. So this is not the norm for me. This isn't like a daily occurrence. By the end of this day, I had prayed for in between 25 and 30 people. And it was because I took one little step and I was really, I was reflecting on this because I knew like, this isn't a normal thing for me. This isn't the Wilson show or Wilson's so great and he was able to do this. Um, and I was asking the Lord kind of like, you know, how did you build that up with like, how did that happen? And I felt like he said to me, when we take one little small step towards him, abundance comes. All he needs is one little step. And sometimes that step is not easy. I'm sure people in this room can relate to the story I just told. And you've had experiences similar. Maybe not with praying for people, but with other areas of your life where you took one little step and you saw abundance flow. You saw God's abundance come into this situation and do something you never could have. So back to David. He said, yes, I will go fight Goliath. I will do it. I'm going to take that little step. He knew his identity. He knew that God was big enough. He didn't do it for the reward. It says he was doing it because Goliath was defying the armies of the living God. He was tying his identity in with God. And that's 
that's the reality for us. Our identity is tied in with God as sons and daughters of the Lord. So David goes and faces Goliath, um, slingshots him to death, kills him, and a huge victory is won for Israel. They go on to just defeat the Philistines and really rout them. And this is the beginning. Uh, this little step for David ends up, years later, he becomes king. He took one little step towards God. He said yes, and the Lord just released abundance into his life. So if you believe in Jesus, like I said, you're a child of God. And in the same way that David took one step, we have that same ability to take one little step and then God's resources start to come to the surface and God's resources start to flow out of us because we're acknowledging it's not us that does it. There's this missionary couple who were... um, living and kind of laboring in Africa. And they had been for years just really pursuing the Lord. And they were, their particular ministry was to orphans and AIDS victims. So they're just loving the least, the last. And I'm um, just encouraging people taking, they have about a hundred orphans at this time in that they're taking care of personally. They've like adopted, like these kids call them mom and dad. So they're um, yeah, they're just really putting themselves out there. And they're starting to see some fruit from it. People are coming to know the Lord. And then this season of like opposition comes where the government is starting to come against them. And the government it gets to the point where the government seizes their facility and seizes all their property. So they're like, they, they, have, they don't know what to do next. They left. Um, they had already been planning to go back to the States for a while at this point. So they left their ministry with their like number two people and said, we'll be back, but we need to recharge. So they go back to the States and while they're there, they find out about these like really powerful conferences and kind of revival meetings that have been going on um, in a couple different parts of the United States. And they felt really clearly like the Lord spoke to them and said, hey, you need to go, go be part of this. This is big for your life. Like it was just clear, like this is a make it or break it time for you. So they're making the plans to go to these conferences and their largest supporter, a church here in the United States that was their largest supporter, called them and said, hey, we just want to touch base with you guys. We've uh, found out that you guys are thinking about going to these conferences. And we just want you to know that we have some, we have some disagreements with those conferences, and we don't want to be associated with them in any way. So if you go, we're going to take away the million-dollar pledge that we've just pledged to your ministry to help you rebuild your facilities. So if you guys go to this conference, we're sorry, but we just, we can't be associated with that and we're gonna take away the million dollar pledge. So I just wanna hit the pause button. All earthly wisdom, all wisdom from man would say, don't go. It's like a flashing light, a million dollars, don't go. It's like not even a second thought, right? That's a million dollars for your ministry that really needs it. This isn't just a matter of like their next paycheck or a house payment. This is a make it or break it. This is, their ministry is literally on the line. It's a life or death situation. But Heidi and Roland Baker decided, no, they want to take a step towards the Lord and what he was telling them to do. And they went to these conferences. They said, we want to go where God's presence is and where we feel like he's leading us. They took, I mean that, I've been talking about little steps. They jumped off the stage. They took a big step. And at these conferences, they were just totally undone with the Lord's presence. Like they were 
the Lord was just touching them so powerfully that they were weeping and crying and they could feel his, feel his presence on their bodies like electricity. They were just like radically changed at the very core of who they were at these conferences. And so now, 20 years later, Heidi and Roland have been back in Mozambique, Africa with their ministry, Iris Ministries. And before, yeah, they were praying for the sick and they were seeing some people healed and they were caring for orphans and they're still doing that. They're still loving people. But now they're seeing pretty much anybody they pray for that's deaf receive their, receive their hearing back. They're seeing the blind receive their sight. The lame are getting up and walking. They've seen tens of thousands since this. Tens of thousands of people come to know Jesus. Thousands of churches planted in Mozambique and throughout South Africa. They're seeing the dead risen. Multiple times the dead have been risen. Because they took one little step. Well, they took a big step, but they took a step towards the Lord and said, we trust you and we know that you can abundantly provide. So we're going to lean into you and not anything else. When it comes down to it, all of our, all of our cards are in your court. We're going for you. I want to read another verse right now. It's Romans 8.32. That really kind of highlights this. And I would encourage you guys that for me, a really big, um, a really big help in my, in my walk with the Lord has been memorizing scripture. So if you've never memorized scripture, I'd encourage you to just try it once. But this is an awesome verse to memorize. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things. Not some things, graciously give us all things. It's just little steps we take towards the Lord to say, yes, I join with you. I, I know you will abundantly provide. I'm taking a step towards you. Now, I want you guys to think, um, or maybe as I've been telling this, an area of your life has just been coming into your mind where you really need to see God's power and abundance flow. Maybe it is a relationship you're in or some kind of crisis your family is having. Maybe something at work. Maybe you just lost your job. Um, Maybe you need healing in your body. I don't know what it is, but just take a second. I just want you to reflect and think about an area in your life where you really need God's power and abundance. Okay. Now, I just want you guys to just stay in that same kind of mindset. Just say this prayer. Just say this prayer in your heart as as I read it to you. Father, help me to really see what it means to be your son or daughter and to see your abundant power released in my life. Father, help me to really see what it means to be your son or your daughter and to see your abundant power released in my life. Amen. So now, as sons and daughters of God, we're going to enter into a time of worship. And as the worship team plays, hopefully some of those groups will get back and I'll be able to bring them up and share cool testimonies with you guys about how a simple little bag of groceries released just abundance into people's lives. But um, yeah, I just encourage you, turn your hearts towards the Lord right now and just say, I want to experience your abundance and your power. Just say that prayer to yourself as we, as we start to worship now. And yeah, I just trust the Lord's really going to touch us and uh, bless us right where we're at. So I just release his presence into the room right now in Jesus' name. We just welcome you, Lord. However you want to come, we're open to you. We love you so much. Come and just rule and reign.